We have been hearing um, amazing teaching from Brian and from God's Word um, about, from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's this huge, all-encompassing list of, you know, of Jesus' teaching about how to live in this world, um, in a broken world. And, you know, we heard over and over from Jesus that the bar that was set before he came was far too low, and they thought it was hard then, and the bar just got higher for how to love our neighbor. Um, and we learned about, you know, who we are in Christ. Um, we learned, you know, from the Beatitudes about who we are and, and who are, we are to be. Um, living a life of humility, dependence on God, um, living a merciful life because God is merciful towards us. Uh, we learned how to relate to one another, uh, laying down our lives for our neighbors and loving our neighbors just as we love ourselves. Uh, and we also learned about how to relate to God uh, through the Lord's Prayer. We learned that God is our Father. Uh, we learned that we can come to Him and ask Him to take care of even our daily bread, you know, our needs for every day. So we have who we are, how to relate to each other in, a, in sort of a messed up world, and uh, how to relate to God. So what more do you need? That's it, right there. If, if you were ever wondering, you know, and, and saying, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about my life today. Sorry, you're wrong. It has a lot to say, and we've been hearing a lot about that. So um, what do we do now? We have this knowledge. We've heard the teachings. And the question is, what next, basically? So now that you know this, what next? And the answer comes right at the end of Jesus' sermon. This is how he ends it. And classic Jesus, he doesn't end it with something that we're going to jump up and down and, and uh, you know, storm out and have a big Super Bowl party about. Um, you know, on the, on the front end, you know, like just on its surface, it's, it's hard to see this as something that's going to get us amped up. But when we really look deeper into what he says, it is pretty exciting and pretty awesome. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. Look at how does Jesus end his sermon? Um, he was teaching to a great crowd, and what did he leave them with? And I want to unpack that. And it, this is a topic that I had to sort of wrestle through. And uh, Ronell and I had to talk yesterday for an hour, pretty much an hour, sort of wrestling with these ideas and trying to see it all, how it all fit together. And, and it was almost like Jesus was saying, you know, don't rely on your works. Don't go out and do good works alone. And then it was like, but then do good works. And it was really hard to sort of find out what's Jesus saying. Um, and so I hope that I sort of settled on the bedrock for this sermon and made it, made it clear. And these are actually two passages that can really terrify people. And I hope to sort of free people, people from some terror today um, of some of the classic passages. All right. So now that you're all on the edge of your seats, let's, let's take a look at the passages here. You can put them up on the screen. So the first passage is, it starts out Matthew 7, 21. Um, and the second passage continues all the way until 27. They, go, they go, come right after each other. So I'm going to read through them. And here's how it goes. This is how Jesus ends his sermon, all, all his awesome teaching. He says, not everyone, he says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's that's the first hard thing he says. And then it gets pretty rough after that. The next thing he says, um, right after this, starts in verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, he just talked for a long time, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came and the floods came and the winds blew and beat beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So the confusing thing gets in. I think in the first part, he's telling us not to rely on the good works. In the second part, he's talking about things we should do. So how do we find our way in it? That's my goal today. Um, these are pretty dire teachings, okay? Uh, not everyone in this life, you know, who's sort of building their life's work, that's what we're all working on right now. We're sort of building our sort of uh, our house, if you will. We're, we're building up, you know, something that we're going to display to God, um, you know, when we, when we see him after we die. And uh, not everyone who builds the house is building the right thing. That's the hard thing. And actually, many people are building the wrong sort of house in the wrong, they're doing the wrong steps there. Um, and we actually have four people that are builders in, this, in these two passages. And let's talk about each one. Um, so the first one, this is how the first passage starts out. Not everyone, he says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so on the surface, you might think, well, if I call on God, he's going to save me. So let's look at really sort of what's going on here. First of all, recognizing who God is does not mean that you've accepted him into your life. You, just because you say, okay, I know that guy is Lord, and I can even call him Lord, it doesn't mean that you have given him the keys to the front door of your house yet, that you're building throughout your life. You haven't really necessarily done that yet. Um, you haven't even possibly given him the keys to your truck, that big Dodge Ram. Um, or maybe you gave him the keys, but you haven't let him drive it. You know, you, you keep the spare and you're driving it all the time. Um, you're still in control and, and maybe on the back of your truck on the bumper it has a Jesus sticker on it, uh, you know, the fish. But Jesus really hasn't caught your heart yet. It's possible. Um, you've never actually said to Jesus, to him, You've never actually said that my way really hasn't worked. My doing things hasn't gotten me anywhere yet. No matter what your standard is, everybody has a, has a different or can have their own way to live a good life. But you've never told them, look, I haven't been able to do it. I haven't made it yet. Um, and you haven't said to him, I need you to save me out of that. I accept your sacrifice on the cross as it was for me. That sacrifice was for me. I accept that. And I'm going to follow you, not lead you. And you're not just saying, Lord, Lord, and and doing your own thing. Okay, so there is a difference there. Um, So we we see the dire fate of somebody who simply um, 
maybe is sort of doing the good works, um, but not actually having Jesus reign in their lives. Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty, good, mighty works in your name? And look, this is, again, this is that same person. Unfortunately, they were very religious. And I say unfortunately. Um, they knew, they had, their, they had a running list of their good works. They knew them very well. They were probably the best person at knowing all the good things they did. But what they forgot is to know Jesus. They knew their good works. They didn't know Jesus. We don't want to be there. Um, and perhaps even they were in attendance to Brian's sermons, listening to the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps they were there. And they, and they saw this long list about not holding grudges and... and um, they saw this long list about uh, loving your enemies, and they went out and they just, they did it to the fullest, which is, you know, that's great. Um, and they, they ran around, and they, they were at every Bible study possible, and they, they, uh, they came early to the gatherings, and, um, you know, every ministry opportunity, they were the first ones in line. They went to Kenya, you know, they did all of these things. Right? And they were creating this list, and they were thinking of it, and like, this is, this is why I'm accepted by God. And they had this long list going. Right? We can all, and I'll talk about myself in a minute, um, but we can, fall, we can fall into this trap and, and doing things in Jesus' name and perhaps being responsible for somebody else's salvation. You know, you can lead somebody to the Lord but not have Jesus as your Savior. It's possible. So they knew the law very well, they knew the rules very well, they just forgot to know Jesus. That's the first person. And what's their fate? And this is where it gets scary, but we also get some really, really amazing, some of the best news that you can get out of this one sentence coming up. And I'll tell you where, and I had to have a Bible commentator online sort of, sort of help me out with this one. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So where's the good news in all, in all of this? God wants to know you. He wants to know you. In the same picture that, um, that we get where maybe a husband knows their wife or a wife knows their husband, um, God wants to know you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to tell you. He wants you to tell him your needs. He wants you to not hide anything from him. He wants to know you. If he doesn't know you, that's it. There's no reason to move forward and, and do good works because you, 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 went, you went to the wrong starting line. And so the exciting thing is Jesus is going to, well, it's, it's rough, but he's going to go up to somebody who's been doing good works their whole life and say, I never knew you. I wanted to know you. I never knew you. You never gave me the keys to the house to let me in. But the good news to us is we're not there yet. You know, we, we haven't, you know, passed away. Um, and there's still an opportunity to say, okay, Jesus, here are the keys. I want to know you. Come into my heart. Come into my house um, that I've built. Change it all around how you like but help me to know you, to know who you are, and to accept you. The only way is to accept his sacrifice. That's the start. 
So that's the, uh, that's the, the mistake that first person made. Um, and in case you didn't know it, whatever, living up to even your own standard isn't going to be enough. And let me prove it to you. Galatians 2.16. Scripture says that know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified in faith in, by faith in Christ and not by our works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And why? We have to ask the question, well, what if I lived a good life? Why is no one justified? How, you know, what else does, does the Bible say about that? So here's what it says in James 2.10, and, and this is sort of bad news for those that are sort of happy with, with their walk and, and thinking that that's, that's what makes them accepted by God. James 2.10 says, for whoever keeps the entire law, probably the best person you know, yet stumbles at just one point in any time in their life, is guilty of breaking all of it. So think back to that first person who's like, hey, I followed the rules. All Jesus has to do is think of that one time and and you're a lawbreaker, right? No matter how good you did, we're, we're all lawbreakers. Um, and, and nobody's like, hey, look, this is my resume. I'm no longer a lawbreaker because I lived up to your standard in the Sermon on the Mount. Not going to happen. So although this man outwardly lived life for Jesus, he knew his good works, and he probably was pretty happy with them, but he didn't know Jesus. Um, so... Let's look at why this might be a comfort to, I'm guessing, a lot of you in here who know Jesus but who aren't living the perfect life. So where's our comfort in this? Because we have this super high standard and, you know, even on our best days, our good works aren't that great. So um, here's what we know about, you know, are we going to come to Jesus and uh, is he going to sort of say like... uh, I knew you at one point, but then you walked away from me and I forgot who you were. Is that a possibility? And he's going to say, oh, yeah. You were, you were awesome when you were in your teens, you know, or prob- probably not then, right? You were awesome when you were in your 20s or, you know. But then when you were in your 30s, you sort of fell away from me and I forgot who you were. So I knew you, but then I forgot who you were. You, you walked away from me and you somehow got out of my hands. Let's hear, let's hear what God has to say about that. John 10 27 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They don't get it from themselves, right? And they shall never perish. No one's going to snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and nobody can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. So nothing is going to take us out of his hands. Even on your worst days, remember that. Um, we also know that, that uh, Scripture says that, uh, you know, God is faithful to us even when we're not faithful. So it's because of who he is. 2 Timothy 2.13. <clears throat> if we are faithful, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. It's because of who he is, and we trust that. 
And so when we feel like God is, is rejecting us and he's holding it, keeping us at arm's length, just remember that even in our worst days, God doesn't change in being faithful towards us. He is for us and not against us. That's a tough one. Okay, so that was all on the first guy. Uh, let's, let's talk about the second guy. Um, this is, this is the, the one building the house. And this is a kind of a different, a different take on the Christian walk. This one kind of will spur you on and get you out of your seat and say, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's listen to Jesus and actually practice um, what he said. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So remember, Jesus was preaching to a whole crowd. But we are today listening to his word. We heard his great uh, Sermon on the Mount for the last several weeks, some of us. And the hearers of God's word you're looking at them. Every week churchgoers, every Christmas churchgoers, people who went to church as a kid, anybody who's heard God's word, this is, who's a hearer in the audience. So, so we're all on this list. Um, and the easiest person to describe someone who uh, heard God's word and turned around and just built their house somewhere else, that was a good catch, um, is somebody who just outright rejected God's word. Um, they heard it and they said, not for me. But I want to talk about a different category today. I want to talk about um, a category of someone who's in church and is fist pumping and saying amen, and they leave the the four walls of this church and they do zero. Um, Let's talk about that scenario. He or she is what James, the writer... James would call it uh, faith without works. Their faith is dead. There's no life. There's no faith at all. Um, let's hear what he has to say about this. And bear with me. This, this is something that can make you feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, James 2, 14 to 19. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have that faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Is their house going to stand? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, just chill, be all right. You know, God will take care of you, right? But he doesn't do anything for them, for their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. There's no heartbeat to it. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Great. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So that truth is even obvious to the worst thing you can imagine. An enemy of God, they even know and say, yeah, that's Lord. He's Lord, Lord, yes, absolutely, great. Um, Okay, so wow, what do we do with this? I thought we weren't supposed to think about our good works and rely on our good works to, you know, have our house stand when we get to heaven. So you see how I was sort of wrestling with this? 
Um, it wasn't easy. I'm looking at it's like, is Jesus saying two different things? Because here it's pretty obvious that faith is going to act and, and here your house is built on, on good works. So it kind of leaves you feeling a little uncomfortable. At least it was really hard to, for me and I had to talk to Renell and we had to wrestle it through for an hour. And there were punches thrown. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so when we decide to know Jesus, we decide that our way is wrong. We need to turn from our former ways and accept Jesus' sacrifice and follow after him. But how can we say that we believe in Jesus if we never act? That's the question. Instead, we have built our house on that beautiful sandy beach um, in the Bahamas, and it's nice, and there's no danger. And we say we know Jesus, but we're not really following him at all. We again, we say to Jesus, yes, you're the son of God. Yes, you died and rose again. You're alive. You reign in heaven. You died for me, I, and I'm free. But you stay in your home. That is the life that you already built before you knew him. You just kind of chill there, and you, you never... Uh, you don't step out of your door, um, if you've ever seen The Hobbit um, and Bilbo Baggins. You don't pull one of those where you get called to an adventure and you're so excited that you even forget your handkerchief, um, something you depended on your whole life, uh, and, and you just, okay, I'm gone. I'm out of my house. I'm out of the old way, and you just go on that adventure wherever it leads. You never had that moment. So does that mean you really believe it? Does this thought of Jesus have any spot, like, really inside you? No. That's the sad truth about it. No. Instead, you're driving the truck with the fish bumper on, or the fish sticker on your bumper still. Uh, and Jesus is out of your house, out of your truck, out of your life. And here's the fate of that house. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. So in both scenarios, people are, we're building up our sort of, our lives around something. We're spending a lot of time, uh, you know, on our homes, and both homes will be destroyed um, in the end. Their fate's the same, even if we go to church every Sunday, doesn't really count towards much. Um, so then what does count? Let's look at the two good examples, two guys that did get it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then the, the second example was everyone who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house in the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. This is the third and fourth person, the person who heard, who heard God's word and acted on it. The good news is that in this life, someone who just empties their bank account and, all, and puts all their stock in God and is not going to lose a penny. And I'm not talking on like literal money. Um, when, you, when you dive headfirst into God's teaching, He's not going to leave you alone. And that, that, that will have the, the greatest return you could ever imagine. Um, that it, the kingdom of God is something to invest everything in. Drop everything, sell the house, go. 
And it truly means that we want to be like the person who hears the kingdom of God and does that and just sells out. We want to sell out. So here's an example of what, what the kingdom of God is like or should be like. Uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 45. Awesome. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, all he had and bought that field. That's what we want to do. When we see God's kingdom, we want to drop everything. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And we are looking for the way, right? Everybody's looking for the way, the, the solution to this sort of messed up world. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything and bought it. We want to be sold out. When the world offers us treasure such as, and think back to the Sermon on the Mount, get even with the person who stole from you, hold a grudge, love only those who are going to love you in return, we know God's voice too well to be duped into this temptation. When we have sold out to Jesus, we turn from our former ways of living. We ask Jesus to forgive us with his sacrifice. We know who we are in Jesus. And so we walk as he tells us to. We are sheep following his voice. So we don't want to just have the works. Don't get me wrong. If we just have the works, we're in big trouble. And we don't just want to, to have the, you know, Lord, Lord part of it. Like God is who he says he is. We want faith with works. But I, I do realize that, you know, in the past this has brought some fear in my life about, wait a minute, am I responsible for building my home in heaven? Doesn't it sound a little bit like that? That, that we're sort of building up our kingdom and if, and if we build the right way that uh, suddenly, you know, you'll be able to take this home with you in heaven? Let me address that thought for a second. You know, that you are in control of your own salvation and, and that you're going to be building your house, um, ultimately. Let's look at John 14, 1 to 6. Talking to his disciples who were, who were worried about if they had a spot in heaven, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. There's the faith. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare that place for you? I'm building that house for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. But they didn't really get at that point. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except with me. If you really know me, that's our goal, right? You will know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So I think that's an awesome truth to those who have trusted and have chosen. I want to get to know God you know him. He's prepared a place. It's not going anywhere. So back to my original question as I'm, I'm going to close. Um, 
We know how to make our lives better. That's what the topic has been the last several weeks. So what do we do now? And this is where I want to talk about me for a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and who am I most like? I have to confess that that first person is a bit like me. I, I have some similarities with them. No, I'm not depending on my, on my works to get to heaven. But yes, I get wrapped up in the good things that I try to do. I get totally wrapped up. I get wrapped up in the good things I do and the bad things that I do. And a lot of times, that takes all my attention. I'm thinking either about what I'm supposed to be doing or thinking about what I haven't been doing. And that brings a lot of fear in my life. It brings anxiety. It brings insecurity. Um, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I am working on keeping my eyes more on Jesus and less on what I'm doing. My prayer for myself is that I get to know Jesus more and forget about the things that I'm doing. I, I'm sort of on this side of the pendulum. Um, I'll talk about maybe which side you're on. Um, where do you stand? Um, maybe you've been following religion with any, without any sort of relationship. Okay, that, that can look like um, following Brian's sermons to the T and following God's word to the T, but forgetting you know what you're doing and you know your good works and you're using Jesus' name a lot, but you don't know him. There's hope for you. You can know him today. Or maybe you've been saying all religion is messed up and terrible. Um, and you've been sort of pioneering it and trying to go your own way and sort of figure it all out. Don't forget that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no life apart from him. Regardless of how good the church is doing, right? Because we, you know, the church is not for healthy people. The church is for the sick. So if you're looking around and saying religion is just terrible and and it's all messed up, I'm just going to swear away all of it, you might be missing a point that, you know, everybody has something that they're working on and struggling with, and there's supposed to be a lot of ugliness in a hospital and, and sickness, right? Jesus is the only one who's had the, the uh, full example of how to live. Or I suppose most of you here today... Um, are a true follower of Jesus. Um, maybe you have put your faith in Jesus. What's, what's my message to you? Act, do, build, sell everything and build. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But a word of caution in your doing, be sure you're building on Jesus and what he did for us. And be sure he gets all the credit and glory for your house. And be careful that you don't know your life's work. Don't know your house too well. Know Jesus more than you know your house. Um, so we're going to pray. And I'm hoping today that, um, you know, uh, maybe you, you definitely have put your faith in Jesus. And it's not a salvation issue. Um, but maybe there's some repentance to be done. Maybe there's a little bit too much time focusing on the doing 
um, and not the one we're doing it for. Um, or maybe even, yeah, whatever category you've been in, let's sort a few things out in prayer. Let's do it today. Um, so pray with me. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts, and we can trust that you are a good God, and that your way is is right. Help us to come to know you before we follow you in your ways. Help us to say yes to you and, and your sacrifice. And if, and if we've been sitting back and, um, and saying truths about you um, and knowing you, help us not to sit back and, and rest too, too long. Help us to get up and, and act and do and, and sell everything and be willing to have your, your word actually change us and how, and how we live. But don't let us, don't let us uh, forget who we're doing these things for and um, keep us secure in you. And I thank you so much that uh, we don't have to worry about our home in heaven. You say it's built. It's there. You've gone ahead and you've built it. Let us rest in that and be excited um, and act because of that. Because our home has been built and our eternity is secure, we can take risks we can drain, drain everything and, and uh, go all out for you because we're secure in you. Um, and Lord, I pray today that, it, that we talk to each other about this. If, if, we, if we experience new life today, that we, we talk to somebody today about it. Um, and we start that journey. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.